Welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth, your connection to the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, Alberta CPAs, and business professionals. This podcast, presented by the CPA Education Foundation, features Alberta chartered professional accountants and others sharing their expertise and insights on a wide range of topics. Tune in regularly for eye-opening looks on leadership, business, education, and many issues of the day, straight from the CPA's mouth. Before we begin, in honor of the 94 calls to action put forth by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, we'd like to acknowledge that CPA Education Foundation offices are situated on the traditional Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 territories. The Foundation acknowledges that we reside on traditional and ancestral territories of many Indigenous, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. Their histories and culture influence our community to this day. The CPA Education Foundation is committed to helping build a province where Indigenous peoples and their voices and experiences are heard, valued, respected, and celebrated. Hello and welcome back. My name is Kevin Spiela from the CPA Education Foundation and I'll be your host for this episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. Tourism is more than an industry. It's a key economic driver that crosses multiple industries. In 2019, Alberta's tourism industry accounted for 68,000 jobs and contributed $6.5 billion to the province's GDP. As large as that number sounds, Alberta's tourism industry was already struggling with an economic downturn when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, forcing many business closures and thousands of job losses. Fortunately, as designated essential services, Alberta hotels remained opened. According to the Alberta Hotel and Lodging Association, in the first month of the pandemic, approximately 60% of hotel rooms in Alberta were closed and 90% of staff were temporarily laid off. A challenging time indeed. The Salt Ridge Inns and Conference Centres have been operating in Alberta for 40 years and have seen their fair share of ups and downs since opening their first hotel in 1972 in Slave Lake, the ancestral home of the Salt Ridge Cree First Nation. Joining me today from Edmonton, Alberta via Zoom is Arisha Fernando, CPA and CFO of the Sawridge Group of Companies, an Alberta-born company with hotels in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, Jasper and Peace River. We're going to talk about her experience, what makes the Sawridge Group unique, some common misperceptions and the important role the Sawridge Group plays in the community. So without further ado, let's hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Welcome Arisha, thank you for joining me. Thank you. I um, wonder if maybe we could get started, uh, you could provide us with a brief introduction for our listeners, um, maybe a little bit about your background and your role and that sort of thing. So um, I was born in Sri Lanka, educated in Sri Lanka, then subsequently moved to the Middle East uh, as an accountant in the financial sector. And then in 2002, uh, migrated to Canada with my husband. So most of my experience uh, is in uh, the banking sector, was in the banking sector at the time and some private uh, companies. Uh, so initially when we moved to Canada, we moved to Calgary uh, because we had relatives in Calgary. And then uh, we decided that we would drive up to Fort McMurray to seek the opportunities. That was in early 2003. Uh, so I was fortunate enough uh, to be recruited as the manager of finance and administration of the YMC of Wood Buffalo, uh, which is now known as the YMC of Northern Alberta. After a two and a half year stint with them, I moved on to Syncrude Canada Limited, which most people do when you go to Fort McMurray. Right. And, and then uh, after that, uh, I was recruited to be the corporate controller 
of the storage group of companies. That was in 2008. Okay. So, you know, we did our stint in the north and we came to Edmonton, the big city. Okay. <laughs> uh, since then, uh, I was, uh, I, you know, I started as corporate controller, then I was the director of finance and then the VP of finance and uh, about four years ago, the CFO of storage. Um, so, you know, in Canada, I worked in, so storage is all, mostly about hospitality. So right. uh, in hospitality, not-for-profit uh, not sector, then uh, banking and finance, Okay. Yeah, a little bit everywhere. Yeah, broad range. That's right, yeah. Great. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Sarage. I understand that uh, the Sarage group of companies is not only a big player in Alberta's hospitality industry, but it also plays a pivotal role in the Sarage Cree First Nations community. Could you provide some insight into the relationship between the two? Uh, yes. So the Sarage group of companies is uh, owned by the Sarage First Nation. Mm -hmm. So our ownership structure is a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's a bit complicated. Okay. The companies are owned by two trusts and the beneficiaries of the trust are the members of the First Nation. Okay. So the, what the members do is they appoint uh, five trustees and they have three members directly from membership and two, um, you know, business leaders kind of people who are in the trust board of trustees. So the companies are actually, we have a normal private company structure where, the, where we have a CEO, CFO, and we report to the board of directors. Okay. So the board of directors interact with the board of trustees. Uh, and the, so what, what that makes it is that the First Nation is not directly involved in the business of the group of companies. So we are kind of like the economic vehicle that makes the money and funds their programs and their benefits. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit complicated, but it, it actually makes it work. Uh, so in terms of strategy, what we do is as a group, the board of directors and the management, we come up with the strategies and then we go to the trustees who approve them. And, you know, on we go with business. So what, what would you like people to know about the storage group of companies? Uh, so the storage group of companies is, even though we are involved with the First Nation, we are actually a, a private group of companies. Uh, all the tax rules and things like that apply to us. Uh, so what we do is we generate the funds th to fund the programs of the storage First Nation. Uh, we are a diverse group of people. We, you know, uh, our workforce is, we have... Uh, all kinds like First Nations, temporary foreign workers and all those things. And our main goal is to create opportunities uh, for the future generations and then work towards the prosperity of our owners. Okay. And, and your mission basically says that it's important for the company to also be able to give back to the community. Can you talk a little bit about why that is and how Sourage provides that support? So we, uh, we are in different communities in Alberta. So we are in Slave Lake, where the First Nation is. We are in Fort McMurray. We are in Peace River. Uh, we are in Jasper. Uh, we are in Edmonton. So uh, mainly in Slave Lake, uh, we have a, uh, uh, a truck stop restaurant kind of operation, and we provide a lot of employment to the First Nations people there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in, in places like Fort McMurray, uh, for example, when the Fort McMurray wildfires happened, we were the people who housed the firefighters. We were open 24 hours. Uh, we were the only hotel actually that did that. 
so, you know, we, we, we are right in there with the communities in Peace River. We are always uh, involved in the community activities that they have. And, you know, if they are indigenous uh, kind of activities, we are more involved because of the because of our owners. Uh, we give a lot back to the communities. So uh, you mentioned you've been with Sawbridge since 2008. Uh, so obviously you've, you've seen a lot. And obviously, too, the COVID-19 pandemic has had an impact. But prior to that, what were some of the biggest challenges that you saw? So the biggest challenge in any business in Alberta that we are closely linked to the oil and gas industry, so is hospitality. I mean, our occupancy rates uh, really reflect how the oil prices go up and down. You know, if we have a slump, our hotels don't do well. You know, if we, if they are do, if the oil prices are doing great, then we do well. So that's one of the challenges to keep things constant uh, and stable. Uh, then also we have, you know, in the hospitality industry, you need a lot of uh, labor. So labor supply has always been an issue for us. Uh, so which results in bringing in temporary foreign workers. So when the government kind of changes its policies, it affects us uh, when we can't bring in people. Uh, so, you know, I think the main thing is the cyclical nature of the business and also, uh, and especially the labor supply. Like, for example, now we struggle a lot to hire people to the front lines. Uh, but, you know, what we have done is we, we need to provide a stable income stream to the First Nation. So what we have done is we've, we have kind of diversified into other sectors. So we have significant investments now in the senior sector where we are involved in uh, quite a few senior projects. Uh, so, you know, we look for opportunities to kind of get away from that economic uh, challenges that we face. Right. Uh, what, what kind of senior projects do you do you mean? Uh, we work with a company called Connecting Care, uh, which, yeah, so we, we've invested into five or six, you know, um, projects that they have. Uh, we used to be a 50% owner of uh, Points West Living in Slave Lake, which was a, uh, yeah, which was a senior facility, assisted care facility. So, you know, we are into that uh, sector a little bit more uh, now. Yeah. Okay. You, you mentioned that uh, the labor market is is always an issue for you. Um, how has COVID nineteen affected your operations, and, and what impact has has the pandemic had on the company's role in the community? Well, it has had a huge impact, uh, especially in the hospitality industry. Uh, we had to close our hotels, some of our hotels, for an extended period of time. Uh, the one in Edmonton was closed for over a month. Uh, we've had to lay off our employees. Uh, we have in our Peace River Hotel, we have a uh, gambling, uh, like a VLT operation. So that has not been functional with all the restrictions and things like that. Uh, so, you know, that and now that we are opening up, it's kind of hard to actually attract people back to these jobs. Some people prefer to stay home and, you know, benefit from the subsidies that are given to them directly. So we, we, it's challenging right now in the industry and as a hotel. Yeah, that would be for sure. You had mentioned previously when, when you and I had chatted before we did this recording that it's a, a priority for you to to uh, kind of help break barriers, so to speak, uh, the various uh, perceptions and stereotypes in the, the profession. W would you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Yeah, um, well, that's one of my greatest passions to be open and to look outside of uh, stereotypes and perceptions. Uh, personally, when I moved to Canada 
as a you know designated accountant from the UK, it was really hard for me to find uh, work in the accounting field. So most people asked for experience to be in a managerial uh, level, like ex Canadian experience, which I didn't have. Uh, but, you know, I was really lucky that the first CEO that hired me looked outside the box and was willing to give me an opportunity. And, you know, we both won. Uh, it was a successful relationship. So we both won. And uh, so I think that has taught me to kind of look outside the box. When we uh, hire, we look at a diverse range of people and we try to give opportunities to those, you know, we feel that may be overlooked and things like that. So uh, I, I think in, in my, uh, one of the best things I've done is actually kind of mentored people into their roles. Like for example, uh, we have a corporate controller right now who is actually a member of the First Nation. Uh, so the things that I, I mean, he has, uh, he's got the designation, so he has the technical skills and everything. But, you know, more importantly, what I uh, help him to do is to kind of accept who he is. He doesn't have to be the suited, you know, accountant that he needs to be, to be, you know, feel comfortable with who he is, to be proud of his heritage, you know, show off his colorful tattoos. So all that stuff. So I think we, we have certain perceptions which kind of creates barriers and then some, and that kind of prevents us from giving these bright young people opportunities. And it also creates insecurities for them. So, you know, I, I, I'm very much about not looking at, uh, you know, the norms and the things like that. I'm quite happy to uh, step beyond and give people the opportunity. Yeah, that's great. How, how would you say things have changed or have they? Like, have you noticed uh, any changes in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion in the profession since you started working in uh, Alberta? Uh, well, I think there is more and more acceptance in Alberta. I Sometimes probably primarily because at some point in this economic cycle, we went through periods of labor shortage and things like that. So that forces you to look at diversity and different people. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, uh, I don't really see a lot of change, but I like what the Education Foundation does, the mentorship program does, and things like that through the CPA. You know, that opens our eyes to different things. Has Sawridge implemented any kind of specific programs or activities to address the issue of diversity and inclusion, or is that just kind of inherent in the culture? I think it's inherent in the culture. We, we like we start with our hiring process. Uh, when people apply for jobs, for any job at Sorage, uh, we know people who have skills apply. And if if most of the time we say that we will teach the skill, uh, so, you know, we are not asking for specific things. Uh, so I think that itself opens up to be diverse, right? So, you know, yeah. Just on, a, a, I guess, a bit of a timely note, the Canadian government has recently declared September 30th as the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, a statutory holiday to pause and reflect on the on the tragic history and ongoing legacy of residential schools. Um, as an organization that is Alberta born and bred uh, with proud Cree First Nation roots that are reflected in everything we do, which I, I took from your website, um, and, and that's guided by a diverse board that includes both Indigenous and non-Indigenous members, how do you navigate that truth and reconciliation space? I think first, uh, first and foremost, any strategy that we develop, uh, we always look into these issues that are there, and we encourage our management, our board, and and our employees to look understand the ninety four calls to action. 
that Truth and Reconciliation offers. And we also uh, encourage our Indigenous members to share their stories. And we always consult with them when something comes up. For example, you know, we are a Indigenous kind of company. So do we recognize the September 30th holiday? So we did consult the First Nation and, you know, ask, is that important to you? And for that, well, we, we are not, I mean, we are kind of, uh, we'll wear the orange t-shirts, we'll have signage, but we are not actually declaring it a holiday because they feel that that is not the essence of trying to do that. So instead, uh, we have committed to taking some diversity, you know, there are some courses offered and things like that so that we are aware of what's happening. Right. Yeah, well, I guess sh- shifting back to you a little bit, it's clear that the, there's been a lot of change over the past few years, uh, like from the pandemic to the shifting societal climate we live in. Um, how do you think your CPA designation helped you manage uh, through these turbulent times? Well, first and foremost, it keeps me employed. Uh, that's the It <laughs> that does. Helps. It really yeah. does. Uh, and I've never had issues with being employed. It's primarily because I have the designation. Uh, and also it gives me access to resources and different development tools for my personal growth. I always refer to the CPA, uh, you know, resources that are there to even help my employees. So uh, I think, and most of the services are free. So I think that's an important thing. Okay. Uh, and, and thinking back over your career as a CPA, uh, what would you say has been the highlight or what has been your most memorable professional experience to date? You know, I thought a lot about that. Uh, I think the highlight of my career is to realize that in my position that I have the ability to change, change others, uh, change myself, uh, help others, you know, to realize that I work uh, with people that trust me to be able to make these changes. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that I may, you know, utilize that ability to do the right things, you know, to bring more um light into um, what we are trying to do, uh, to uh, to cre- create more diversity and inclusion in the workforce. So things like that. I think the most memorable thing is that I've realized that I am able to change things and I need to use that power to do the right thing. Okay, that sounds great. So we're nearing the end of our podcast, uh, but before we go, here's a big question for you, actually maybe a couple. Uh, what are some of the greatest life lessons you've learned so far? And what advice would you give to our listeners who might be thinking of looking into the CPA profession? So the greatest life lesson I've uh, learned is that I should always keep an open mind uh, about anything that I see, that I should not be caught in the biases. You know, I come from a Southeast Asian uh, background upbringing and, uh, you know, we are very conservative. And so if I brought those biases into my life now or to my work life, I, I... will not be able to go forward. So I always try to have an open mind to understand the other side and also look at things uh, kindly and compassionately. Uh, My CEO always says that, you know, I bring the kindness to the table more than anything. So, but it opens up, yeah. And uh, what advice would you give our listeners who might be thinking of uh, looking into being a CPA? Uh, I think, you know, at the beginning, when you take CPA, it's most about numbers and how to interpret them. Uh, And, you know, some people who don't like numbers may not look at it, but I think you should, because once you look 
once you get through that, those numbers period, it's more about, you know, how you become a strategist, how to mentor people, how you become an influencer, a motivator. So there's a lot more to the designation than just the numbers. I mean, that's the base, but there's a lot more you can do. So I think that's what I, you know, and you should explore that. Right. There's a lot more than meets the eye. That's right. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you, Arisha, for joining me and uh, sharing your story. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode featured Arisha Fernando, CPA and CFO of the Sawridge Group of Companies. Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list. And if you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. And finally, if you're interested in learning more about the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, you can learn more at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is produced by the CPA Education Foundation, the charitable arm of the CPA profession in Alberta. This podcast is made possible by Brian Heshi, FCPA FCA. Thanks to Brian's generous donation, the foundation created the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, a virtual hub of resources for all Albertans. Find out more about the foundation and the Knowledge Center at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation.